0: All right, we've been in our Proverbs series. How many of y'all have enjoyed this series on the book of Proverbs? It's been been so rich just looking at what God teaches us on wisdom in His Word. We're gonna continue in it. I wanna preach to you today from Proverbs 22, chapter 22. If you got a Bible, go to Proverbs 22. And if you're taking notes, note takers or history makers, I wanna title this message The Boomerang Effect. The Boomerang Effect. And um, I want to just tell you, in case you don't know what a boomerang is, it is an Australian weapon that they use to throw out when one person... I'm tempted to throw it out this this morning just to see what happens. (laughs) But when, when someone throws a boomerang, it goes in a singular curve and it begins to turn. And then eventually, if they throw it correctly, it comes back to them. Everybody say it's coming back. It's coming back. The point of the boomerang and the point of this message is that what we do eventually comes back to us, that what we sow, or in this case, what we throw, eventually is coming back. Somebody say, it's coming back. And oftentimes, biblically speaking, from Genesis to Revelation, this principle, this law, this boomerang effect, it doesn't just come back the way you throw it or the way you sow it. It oftentimes comes back comes back with a multiplied consequence or a multiplied harvest. It can be both good and it can also be bad, depending on what we sow or what we throw. Everybody say, be careful what you sow. Be careful what you throw. So Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, start children off on the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not turn from it. He's talking about this idea of parenting children As much as we can, none of us are perfect parents, but doing the best we can with starting them in the right direction, starting them in the right path. In verse 8 of that same chapter, in verse 8, it says, whoever sows injustice reaps calamity. So what we sow has a consequence. What we throw is coming back. The rod that we wield in fury will be broken. The same man who wrote Proverbs also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and he says in Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Now he says a lot of interesting Mr. Miyagi you know, Yoda quotes at times that I'm like, okay, what's he mean by this? But the main point is that what we throw, what we sow has, has an effect of coming back into our lives. The world calls it karma. But God, who, who's the one that instituted this principle in the word, in the world, in the universe, is really sowing and reaping. Or you can call it, I'm going to call it this weekend, the boomerang effect. The boomerang effect. Um, this past week, my boys, one of them had a birthday. And so we got this video game for one of our kids. And the video game was called Boomerang Foo. And it's like these, you know, it, it's fruit fighting each other. Like it's like an avocado fighting an apple. I don't know what's going on. I, I'm glad that our kids are learning about fruit, but uh, the fruit are fighting each other. You can also have French fries too. You know, we we got the French fry guy. He's fighting against the avocado and the potato and the carrot. And so they said, "Daddy, we want you to play boomerang foo with us." So I'm playing the game. We're you know playing against each other on the Nintendo, and. Each character, each fruit has a boomerang. So I, I throw the boomerang. they were like, this is what you, you know, press to get the boomerang to throw. So I press it, the boomerang throws, and I'm trying to hit you know, the other fruit guys, which are my kids, Liam, Benny, and Mac. I'm, no mercy. You know, if I'm playing the game, I'm gonna play to win. I'm not just you know, gonna let them beat me. So I'm, I throw it, it goes all around them, it misses all of them, it comes right back at me and cuts me in half. And they thought it was the funniest thing. They were like, Dad! You're cut in half. I was the milk guy. I, you know, I was, that was my character. And they're like, look, the boomerang you threw came right back at you. And that's the point of the word today. I want to give you seven boomerangs we see in scripture that are important for our lives that could literally change the course and the direction of your life and my life. So let's talk about first the boomerang of choices in life. Choices. Galatians 6 verse 7 says, do not be deceived God will not be mocked, for whatever a man or a woman sows, that will he also reap. Now, we oftentimes look at the scripture and we think about finances, which is true and it's good, and we're going to get into that. But what Paul was talking about here, if you read Galatians 6, was how you treat people. How you treat people. So when someone wrongs you, how do you treat them back? If you get revenge, if you sow a a, a, uh, spirit of bitterness and anger and resentment, and I'm punching you for that, Paul basically says that there is a consequence, there's a harvest for every choice we sow, every choice we make, every boomerang we throw. In Job 4 verse 8, it says, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble will reap the same back into their life. So oftentimes, you don't even have to teach someone a lesson because when they do something that is painful, that lesson is going to come back into their life, right? That we can learn from our own choices. David in the Bible understood this. There was a moment where King David had a chance to kill King Saul, who was throwing spears at him, trying to kill King David out of jealousy. Instead of David throwing the spears back at Saul, he just stood at a distance. He dodged the spears... He didn't fight back. David understood those who live by the sword die by the sword. Those who throw spears will eventually have spears thrown back at them. So David hid in caves. He prayed. And oftentimes, he would pray some pretty intense prayers. Like when you read the book of Psalms, he's got prayers like, Lord, pay my enemies back for what they've done to me. Cut off their heads, God. You're like, yeah, I like those Old Testament prayers. None of that turn the other cheek stuff. David, was, <laughs> David believed in the boomerang effect. And you might think, well, yeah, 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 that's Old Testament. But the New Testament talks about it as well, that what we do has a harvest back in our lives. Charles Spurgeon, he said this, sin is a boomerang. Charles Spurgeon was a famous revivalist during his time and, and a, a powerful preacher. But he said, sin is like a boomerang. It goes off into space curiously, but then it turns again back upon its author. And with tenfold force, it strikes that soul that launched it. Here's the point. What we throw, what we sow, the choices we make, the sins we commit eventually come back at us. Now, here's the good news. The mercy of God can interrupt whatever choice you have made today. How many of y'all are thankful for the goodness and the mercy and the forgiveness of God? Had it not been for the blood of Jesus Christ, none of us would get heaven. Because the truth is, our sin has consequences. The wages of sin is death, right? But the gift of God, here's the beauty. The gift of God interrupts what our sins deserve. Our sins deserve hell, but Jesus died on the cross to give us heaven. However, that does not excuse the principle in the law of sowing and reaping. Forgiveness and consequences are two different things. Salvation and consequences are two different things. So we're going to go to heaven as we put our faith in Christ. We're going to receive his forgiveness. But there's still an effect that comes back into our life from the choices we make. You may not like this sermon. You may not like what I have to say, but it's in the Bible. So email the Bible, tweet at the Bible, direct message the Bible. Don't come at me. Don't shoot the messenger, okay? Hosea 8 verse 7 says, when you sow into the wind, you reap the whirlwind. When you sow into the wind, you reap the whirlwind. Sin always promises more than it can deliver. It assures us of pleasure. But it never actually fully gives it. Sometimes it gives a little bit of pleasure, but it conceals the boomerang effect that eventually will come back. Hosea said, if you sow into the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. I remember 20 years ago, I was sitting in a church service at Victory when Miles Monroe was preaching. And he was a famous preacher from the Bahamas. And he came and preached on the, the law of sowing and reaping, the kingdom law. Everything was about the kingdom. And he talked about sowing and reaping. And he was speaking specifically in marriage. He said, husbands, if you speak kindness, if you you bring kindness into the conversation, you're going to reap kindness. But if you sow a harsh word towards your wife, get ready for the whirlwind. Get ready for the tornado. When mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. When you sow into the wind, when you say things, when you do things, don't be surprised when the whirlwind comes. Let's talk about the boomerang of words while we're on it. The boomerang of words, the second boomerang. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. So if I sow or if I throw gentleness into the conversation, we can stop the strife. But a harsh word stirs up the quarrels. When you're tempted to say something that you think might continue the fight, just remember the boomerang is coming back. Somebody say, it's coming back. It's coming back. So this can help us. How many of y'all could use some more help with your words? Yeah, all of us. <laughs> Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So every week we say, my best days are right in front of me. God is not finished with me yet. You know what I'm about to step into? I'm about to step into my best days. It's coming back. I'm about to step into greater things that God wants to do in my life. You might say, well, Paul, you just can't talk yourself into victory. The Bible says you can. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. You keep cursing your future and you tell me how it goes for you. I'm going to keep blessing my future. I'm going to keep speaking life over my future. I'm going to keep blessing my children's future. I'm going to declare that the best days of victory and our church and my children and my marriage are still in front of me. And God is not finished with me yet. And I will see the victory. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And it may not happen tomorrow. Here's the point. The boomerang. We think, we think the boomerang didn't work if it doesn't come back in 10 seconds. Here's the point of the sowing and reaping principle. Is that what we sow or what we throw eventually comes back. It may take 5 years. may take 10 years. may take 20 years. Don't give up when you're waiting on the harvest. Galatians says don't give up when you're waiting for the boomerang to come back. It will come back. Somebody say it's coming back. It's coming back. Proverbs 10 verse 19 says when there's many words... Sin is unavoidable. Be careful when you're in a conversation that's starting to go south about another person, when you're in a, a place of gossip and slander, because what you throw is coming back. What you sow is coming back. The one who controls her lips is prudent. The one who controls his lips is prudent. Proverbs 9 verse 8 says, don't rebuke a mocker, for he will hate you. But if you rebuke a wise person, they will love you even more. I remember refereeing for Oral Roberts University uh, intramurals, and uh, th- these guys would get so intense. I was an ORU student. I remember my sophomore year, I was getting paid five bucks a, a game. To, to <laughs> It was not worth the stress that came with refereeing B-League intramural sports. These guys took it way too seriously. Listen, there are certain sports games that are important. Like, ORU made it to the World Series baseball team. (laughs) Give it up for the ORU baseball team. We got some coaches in the house today. I love watching those games. But uh, intramural sports is not the World Series. And these guys would get so intense. They would get angry. I remember trying to break up a fight one time in a basketball game. B-League basketball. This is not NCAA Division I. Like, you know, no one's there to cheer them on. But they are like, this is serious. They were angry. I made, I guess I made the wrong call. I called a charge. It wasn't a charge. It was a foul. And anyways, long story short, these guys are getting angry. I tried to calm them down. When you rebuke a, a mocker, a person who refuses to be wise in a moment, an imprudent person, get ready because the whirlwind's coming. This is why it's not just what we say. It's who we say it to. And it's how we say it. There's wisdom when we speak words that bring life, and when we hold our tongue, when we think this may not land right with this person. Lord, help me. Just Let's say this together. Say, Lord, help me with my tongue. (laughs) Lord, help me with my words. Let's talk about the boomerang of surrender. Here's the third boomerang, the boomerang of surrender. Proverbs 16, verse 3 says, Commit your ways to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. God will establish your plans. Here's the beautiful thing about surrender. When I come down to an altar, when we we see these people that just got water baptized, this weekend we had 50 people get water baptized across the services here. And the the world might say, why would you give your life to God? You know, atheists might say, why would you believe in God? Why would you surrender to God? Why would you go down to an altar call? Why would you get baptized? Because the world doesn't understand. Jesus said, if you try to cling to your life, you lose it. But those who surrender their lives actually find it. Here's the beautiful thing about the boomerang of surrender. When I surrender my plans to God, when I say, God, not my will, but your will be done. When I say, Lord, I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to lean not to my own understanding. God says, you'll get your life back and even more abundantly. When you surrender your life to God, you don't lose your life you gain even greater life. But if you refuse to surrender, watch your life crumble to pieces. This is what Proverbs says about surrender. In Proverbs 10, verse 27, it says, the fear of the Lord, in other words, surrendering your life to God, honoring God, actually adds years to your life. You wanna live longer? Surrender to God. He says, but the years of the wicked will be cut short. Proverbs 14, 27 says that the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. It actually adds more life to your life to surrender to God. This is why I find so much joy and energy on my knees in worship and in surrender at church or during my prayer time, my quiet time. I don't find it as a humiliating, embarrassing thing. I find it as a fountain of life. I'm telling you, there is more life in surrender than there is in holding back from God. There's more life. This is what he says in Proverbs 19. It says the fear of the Lord leads to life and you sleep better when you're surrendered. How many of y'all could use some better sleep in your life? I could. I found this, that when I'm worried and anxious, I stay up all night. When I think somehow I'm in control of the future... That that it's all resting on me. That the world is resting on my shoulders. And other people's choices are resting on my shoulders. I'm worried. I'm anxious. I'm holding on to my cares. And I don't fall asleep until 6 a.m. I'm up all through the night. But when I surrender and I say, God, I cast my cares on you. Lord, I surrender. I'm not in control. You are. I can't fix whatever is going to happen tomorrow, but Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you my mind. I give you my future. And God says, good, my plans for you are to prosper you, to give you hope and a future. Peter says, cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares upon you. Paul says in Philippians, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, give it to God, surrender to God. Displace anxiety by surrendering your fears to God. And watch as God grants you better sleep and better peace. Let's talk about the boomerang of godly parenting. We talked about in the very beginning of this message, Proverbs 22, verse 6, train children up in the way they should go, and they will not depart from it. When they get old, they'll come back. Somebody say they're coming back. Now, they might wander for a little bit. They might get curious. They might get into things that you're not happy about. But if you teach them something, don't regret bringing them to church when they were seven years old. Don't regret teaching them scriptures. Don't regret having some worship music in your house because what you're doing is you are launching them out. When I was younger, my parents taught me the power of your words. When I got older, I drifted from it. When I was 24 years old and my dad passed away, I got very angry at God. I was that boomerang lost in space. I was angry. I wasn't speaking life. I would pull up to the church and I would say, our best days are behind us. I would get frustrated. I would say, I wish dad was here. Nothing's getting better. I would just speak negative. I was cursing my future with my words. And after about a year and a half of speaking deathly words, nothing was getting better. Nothing was changing for the better. And I pulled up to church on a Saturday night and I heard the Lord say, change your confession. Change your narrative. Start speaking life. It was like the boomerang was coming back home. I sat in the parking lot with tears in my eyes. I started writing on a napkin in my car. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive. I started thinking about scriptures my parents taught me when I was 10 years old. Philippians 1:6. he who started this work in you will be faithful to complete it. God's not finished with me yet. My best days are still in front of me. What was coming? The boomerang was coming back. It was like my mom got her son back because I was lost. Can I speak to every parent in the room that feels like your son or daughter is not right with God? They're coming back home. The boomerang is coming back. They're coming back. They're getting right with God. They're going to remember what you taught them in church, in Sunday school. They're coming back. Just after the last service, I was in the lobby, and I was shaking hands with people. And This mom came up to me with tears in her eyes. She said, can I show you my boomerangs? I said, yes. She brought her daughters over there. They're both in their late 20s. And she said they weren't with God for a little while there. They were wandering off, but they're back home. They're in church with me now. They're coming to victory. The boomerang comes back. Come on. This is the boomerang of godly parenting. Now, you may not be a perfect parent, but get them in church. Get church in them. Get the Bible in them. Give a Bible to them. This is what Proverbs says in Proverbs 19, verse 18. Discipline your children while there's still hope. If you got kids in the house, and and they're using your air conditioning, (laughs) and they're sleeping under your roof, you're still a parent for them, and you still have an option to discipline. Now, you could choose what kind of discipline you're going to do. You could do grounding. You could do, hey, uh, we're going to do a timeout over here. When I was younger, my dad would spank me, and (laughs) my mom would too, and my grand-grand would spank me. I feel like they just gave permission to the whole family to spank me, but uh, I remember one time we were at McDonald's, and we were going on a road trip to Branson, Missouri, to Silver Dollar City. Come on, Branson. We love Branson. And so uh, we, we stopped at McDonald's to get food, and my dad's like, everybody, tell me your orders, and it just was loud and wild in our big van, and so I was like, I, I want a Happy Meal with chicken nuggets and barbecue sauce, so it finally gets back there to me. We're driving down the road. They forgot the barbecue sauce and I was eight or nine years old and I started throwing a temper tantrum. I got upset, I had an attitude. I was like, I need barbecue sauce. I don't know what to do, you know. I was crazy. I was was like addicted to barbecue sauce. I was like, please give me the barbecue sauce now, you know. And my dad was like, that's it, we're pulling the van over. He pulls the van over, pulls out this paddle and on the paddle, it said, pray first. (laughs) (laughs) That was the paddle. I was like, Dad, please pray, please pray, please pray. I literally was taking my socks off in the back of the van, stuffing them in my undies, just trying to create some paddage back there. And um, he spanked me on the side of that road. He found the, the socks. He's like, get those out of there. Gave me an extra spanking. <sighs> but, you know, we're living in a society that, that refuses to discipline, and we're reaping the consequences of it. And so we have people that are extremely disrespectful to people, to authority. Um, can't be told no. They're, they they can't, can't be told that the Bible is true if it goes against their feelings. So they want feeling-based truth. Whatever feels good, that's what I want. Um, just angry at anyone who corrects them. How dare you correct me? I've never been corrected in my life. And, and parents, we've got to learn that correction is important in raising up the next generation to come back to God and to lead their children. Correction doesn't mean hate. Correction actually equals love. The Lord corrects those he loves. I've been corrected. I've got to correct my kids. This past week, one of them got into you know just an attitude, and I said, hey, don't don't have that attitude with me or your mom. He goes, yeah, yeah, I know. I go, okay, no. I said, don't say, yeah, yeah, I know. You say, yes, sir, to men. You say, yes, ma'am, to women. Now, some of y'all might go, Paul, you're such a militaristic daddy. (laughs) We think it's militaristic now to actually teach manners in homes because we've drifted so far from the truth to try to patty cake feelings. And we got to teach people, listen, if you don't learn how to respect, you'll lose a job as you get older. You'll lose a spouse. Like we've got to learn respect is this is we've got to all be learning this. I don't read the Bible so that I can feel good about my life every day and every single choice I make. I read the Bible so it can point me back to the path that is truth so it can confront my feelings and challenge my reason and challenge my own understanding so that I can know what is God's will for my life because this is a whole lot smarter than this. The Word of God is a lot stronger and more sustainable and has outlasted your brains and the President's brains and the government's brains and everybody. Like, we've got to come back to the moral compass of the Word of God. And so it's important. Now, again, that doesn't mean we walk in hatred or we overreact. And the Bible is clear that parents who embitter their children create a boomerang effect later on. This is why everything has to be done in love. And from love, if we sow love, if we throw love, if we do the truth in love, we will reap a healthy harvest as time goes on. Let's talk about the boomerang of pride and humility. The boomerang of pride and humility. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride leads to a crash. Pride leads to destruction. Pride, first comes pride and disgrace follows after it. A haughty spirit leads to a fall. So when I'm Prideful. When I say, I'm right, you're wrong, you need to apologize, not me. I'm always right. I'm always the one that knows what's best. It's always about me, 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 my, my, my. I'm headed towards destruction. It's a boomerang that's going to hit me later on. But humility, humility, Proverbs 13.10 says those who take advice, those who walk in humility, those who don't think they know it all, actually end up living longer and experiencing honor. Proverbs 18.12 says humility comes first. And then honor. So if I will throw the boomerang of humility, if I'll say, you know what, I'm going to eat some humble pie. I'm going to apologize first. I'm going to serve. I'm not going to demand my rights. I'm not going to walk in entitlement. I'm going to prefer others in front of me. I'm going to take the humble path here. Even though I could easily get revenge and throw this guy under the bus, I'm going to shut my mouth and walk in. And if I do that, guess what's coming back? Honor's coming back into my life. If you throw the boomerang of humility, I guarantee you'll reap honor on the other side of that. But if you throw the boomerang of revenge, just prepare to dig two graves because revenge always leads with a boomerang in your back. Every time we try to do what we want to do apart from God's word, every time we demand a prideful response to what people have done, we're reaping the whirlwind. And it is a whirlwind. It is. It is. Let's talk about the boomerang of diligence and laziness. Are you guys still with me right now? Okay, diligence and laziness. Proverbs 10 says, those who are diligent with hard work will have a harvest in the end. But those who refuse to lift their hands to work will always lead to poverty. Those who don't gather during the harvest season, those who sleep through a harvest season, will end up empty-handed. In other words, Proverbs teaches us about work. In in another verse, he says, look at the ant. He says, the ant doesn't have a president or a king, but the ant wakes up every day and works hard and works in unity with the other ants, doesn't complain about his job, and the ants always have more than enough. For some reason in humanity, there's always a temptation to compare what other people have, the easier hand that they were dealt. And, And oftentimes, we get tempted to just live in laziness, to live in the land of laziness. Proverbs twelve eleven says, those who follow worthless pursuits to get rich quick always end in poverty. I remember in college, there was a guy who reached out to me. And he's like, hey, I got an idea. He's like, I'm going to make us richer than our wildest dreams. I said, tell me about it. He said, here's the deal. You're going to go out and recruit three people for me. Those three people are going to recruit Three people for you. Those three people will recruit another 30 people, and we're gonna be at the top of the pyramid. They're all gonna sell stuff, and we're all gonna, me and you are gonna get the money at the top of the pyramid. And as I'm listening to this, I'm like, is this a pyramid scheme? He's like, no. Here's what happens there's me at the top, there's you right here. (laughs) Is this like Michael Scott, the office? Like, what's happening right now? He's like, here's what's gonna happen. We're at the top. We're going to make a lot of money. It's going to be fast. Nothing came of that. Nothing came of that. And most of the times, all of those things, they all have some, something. There's, there's an importance in the Word of God about just doing the work, getting out and being diligent with hard labor, working hard. I went and got a job at ORU during that same season because I wasn't making any money with this guy at the pyramid scheme. And so I went and became a janitor. And after three years, I had enough money to pay for a good car. I saved up enough money to get Ashley a ring when we got married. But here's the point. Diligence, hard work, leads to having bread on the table. But if we live in laziness or we chase fantasies or we go to the casino thinking one of these days I'm going to hit the jackpot, it, it, it all begins to rob us really of the calling and the purpose of God for humanity is that we are here on purpose for a purpose. And our purpose is bigger than just doing the slot machines or sitting on the couch hoping that someday we'll hit it. God wants us to have a purpose. Do something with your hands. If, you, if you're in a season where you go, Paul, I can't work a job right now, come and serve at the Dream Center. Come and be a part of the Dream Team. Be an usher. Be a greeter. You go, but what good is it for me to get off the couch and stop watching TV and just actually do something with my hands? I'll tell you what good it is. It actually adds more years to your life to live with purpose and to do something with diligence. You may not like it. Just email the Bible. Send a direct message to Proverbs. Don't talk to me about it. I got enough hate mail after the last two sermons I preached, so just... Give me a break. If you don't like it, just talk to, to King Solomon about it. Let's talk about the boomerang of generosity. The boomerang of generosity. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, One person gives freely and gains even more. Here's the beautiful thing about giving. When you give to God, it always comes back even greater. Luke 6, Jesus said, When you give, it's coming back, pressed down, shaken together, running over. With the measure you give, it will be brought back into your life even more. Jesus said, when you sow good seed into the kingdom of God, you'll reap 30, 60, even 100-fold harvest. Proverbs says, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Those who help the poor, the Lord will repay them 10 times for the work they've done. James chapter 1 says, true religion is taking care of widows and orphans and the poor in times of distress. Church, can I tell you? This church is known for helping the poor in this city, I think, more than any other church. This church is known for ministering to people that are in need, and I'm telling you, on the other side of that serving, on the other side of that ministry, God has been faithful to take care of the needs of this house. Some people have asked, how is Victory a debt-free ministry? How does Victory not owe the bank a penny or a dime? I say, we are a generous church. We keep giving out. We keep serving. We keep sowing into missions. We keep helping in our own local outreach. We give so much away, and somehow God always meets the needs of this house. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. The boomerang of generosity is prosperity back into your life. I'm telling you, the law of sowing and reaping. Here's what Corinthians says 2 Corinthians 9 6 says, Those who sow sparingly, reap sparingly, but those who sow bountifully, reap bountifully. He who is generous to the poor lends to God himself, and God always repays generous people. How many of y'all in your own life have seen the faithfulness of God on the other side of your generosity or your service to other people? You yourself were refreshed by helping other people be refreshed. As we were talking to people who served this week, During the storm and minister to people, they said, you know, I found so much joy being out there in that hot sun next to other Victory members, helping people pull branches out of their houses, pray with widows, minister to people. I got more ministry doing that than I would have sitting in my house watching Netflix all day. Can I tell you, there's a joy in generosity. There's a joy in serving others. I want the band to come up. Here's my last boomerang right here, the boomerang of excellence. The boomerang of excellence. When you do things with an excellent spirit, God always honors excellence. There's a spirit of excellence that we see throughout the Bible on characters like Joseph. When Joseph was rejected by his own family, he found himself in Potiphar's house. And the Bible says he was such an excellent worker that he was promoted as he served in excellence. There was people in the Bible uh, that, that also walked with an excellent Spirit that we see throughout this one of them was Solomon and Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs and There was a moment where he was honored for his excellence in 1st Kings 10 And as I come to an end, I think this is a very important story I want you to catch this in 1st Kings chapter 10 a Queen shows up to see King Solomon's whole kingdom and her name was the Queen of Sheba the Queen of Sheba was from the nation of Ethiopia and she worshipped the Sun God The sun god demanded that all the people that worshiped the sun god had to sacrifice children and they would practice sexual immorality. So here she is. She's coming to this king and she wants to see King Solomon. She wants to see what his palace is all about. And in verse 1, we'll start with 1 Kings 10 verse 1, when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relationship to the Lord, she came. The first point we can learn about this boomerang of excellence is that people will come to your life because of your relationship with God. The excellent spirit that God talks about in the Bible is only connected to a relationship with God. Now, you can be excellent in the secular workplace without a relationship with God, but there is, magnetic, there is a magnetic spirit when people know who their God is and they're doing something great with what God's put on the inside of them. When you use the gifts and the talents that Jesus has given you, Matthew 25 tells a parable of talents. One man had ten talents, one man had five, one man had two. Or one man had five, one man had two, one man had one. And the ones that multiplied their talents were given even more. Solomon was multiplying the kingdom of Israel. And the queen of Sheba took notice of his relationship with God. It was his relationship with God that drew her in. People will come to your life because they see something on you that's different. They go, I want what he has. I want the joy that Jared has. I want the, I want the hair that Daniel Henshaw has. I, w- <laughs> I, want the, I want the marriage that they have. I want the, the freedom that that person walks in. By the way, a young girl today just got baptized one year sober, one year free. Come on, that's beautiful. Celebrating that year of sobriety. People are gonna come into your life because they hear about your testimony, what God's done for you. Solomon understood that the eyes of, of the world were watching Israel during his time, but he, he cared more about the eyes of God. Secondly, she saw that everything was in order. Here's what the boomerang of excellence does. It, it creates this noticeability that people see, things are in order in your life. There's a sense of order and organization. You know, when you walked into church today, People had already taken care of the bathrooms before you got here. They'd already flushed the toilets for you. People had already washed and, and, and cleaned and vacuumed the floors you, you walk into today. The chairs you're sitting in, someone made sure the screws were tightened in them. Someone made sure the lights were turned on. Thank God for power. Someone made sure the air conditioning was on. Isn't it nice when you walk into a room and things are just in order? And you're like, man, thank God that things are in order. Have you ever been in an... A situation where it was not in order and you were like, we need to help these people right now. You ever walked into a restaurant and you're like, they need some major help right now. I've been there before. She walked into his palace and she realized everything was in order. We wouldn't have order here today if it wasn't for the people that work behind the scenes, the staff members, those that are working as ushers, greeters, the dream team all those that work in audio-visual, the guys that are working on the cameras, Marie back, can we give the staff and the volunteers a big hand? They give their time, they get here early, they show up at 6.30 in the morning on Sunday so that we can experience a great church service. I wanna say thank you to the whole team that, that this week rallied when we didn't have power last Sunday. They, they still showed up, and they served, and we had flashlights. We had a, a portable sound system. How many of y'all were here last Sunday for that portable church service in the dark? It was beautiful. Someone came up to me this last week, and they said uh, they were taking a tour of our church. They were from out of town. They said, we've never been to a service here. We go to a Catholic church back home. And they said, our mass is about 45 minutes. How long is your church service? I said, it's about an hour and a half, sometimes longer. They go, whoa. They were like, we want that. I said, really? And they were like, yeah, they said, sometimes it just feels like at mass, we're just trying to get in and out and it's so busy and so quick and we don't give time to God. This last week we watched a lot of ORU baseball, which was so fun. But I didn't realize how long a baseball game is because I don't normally watch baseball games. I was like, this is a solid four hours here. And the world is willing to give four hours to baseball Three and a half hours to NFL. We took our kids. Some of y'all might have gone and seen the new Spider-Man movie. It's like two and a half hours long. It's a cartoon, two and a half hours long. And yet some people will complain if church is an hour and 33 minutes. I just don't know if I want to give God that much time. I'm willing to give Spider-Man that much time. I'm willing to give a baseball game that much time. I'm willing to wait at a restaurant, but I just don't know about church going longer than than an hour. Can I tell you, it is never a waste of time to sit in God's house and to be ministered to by the Word of God, the presence of God. It's a boomerang that will bring way more benefits in your life than Spider-Man or Target or restaurants or business. Like, we give so much time and energy in so many places. The queen of Sheba did not want to leave Solomon's house. She didn't want to leave the palace. There was something about the atmosphere that goes, I want to stay here. This family that I was talking to in the lobby this last week that was from that Catholic church, they said, there's something about this place. I just want to be here. I want to be here. And I want to sit in that hour and a half plus long service. I said, thank you. That means a lot to me. Last Sunday, I was tempted to preach a short message. I thought, you know, people want to get in and out. Air conditioning is really rough right now. And, uh the Lord said, give them, give them the best you can. Give the people the best you can. Preach the best you can. So I did, I, I preached I think 25 minutes and after service a family came up to me and they said, we drove all the way from Ohio to be here today. They said, we came as a birthday wish. It's been our, our wish to one day come to Tulsa just to come to Victory Church. That's the only reason we came to Tulsa. We drove 12 hours to get here. They said, thank you for not canceling church. And thank you for not preaching just a two minute message. Thank you for giving it all you got. And thank you to the team that showed up. You never know what you do, how it impacts just one family, one person. She saw, number three, here's what the boomerang of excellence does. I'm almost done. She saw that the people who didn't matter did matter. People watch how you treat everyone. One guy came up to me after my dad passed. He said, you know what ministered to me the most? about your dad was not any sermon he preached on stage. It was the sermon off stage that I watched him live. And I said, tell me about it. And they said, I worked at the Maybe Center. I was one of the Maybe Center employees when Victory used to rent the Maybe Center across the street. And he said, uh, one day a big wig pastor was preaching at Victory. And he had like 10 bodyguards and everybody knew who this guy was. He was famous, he was known, everybody knew who he was. But he said, your dad walked off the stage with him, and you know your dad had an usher, maybe two ushers with him. And your dad stopped and talked with each employee from the baby center back there. He talked to the security guards. He thanked the people that were working back behind the, the curtains over there at the baby center. And he just was kind. Everybody mattered. Everybody had dignity. Everybody was treated with respect and honor. Here's what the Queen of Sheba noticed about Solomon's palace is that everybody mattered. Every team member knew to treat each other with class, with dignity. Let's just say this with me. Say, everybody matters. How you treat people that can do nothing for you says a lot about who you are. Treat people with kindness. Treat people with love. If you miss it, turn around, go back, shake their hand. Number four... When it exceeded her expectations, the spirit of excellence exceeds expectations. When it did, the queen of Sheba gave Solomon all the gold that she had brought, all the diamonds she had, all the precious rubies. She gave more than she planned to give because her expectations were exceeded bigger than she imagined. Number five, Solomon used what she gave him to build the house even more. Instead of just using it for his own personal gain, he went back into the palace and said, we're going to strengthen the temple. We're going to expand the borders of Israel. We're going to keep this kingdom growing to keep on building the nation of Israel. Number six, the queen left richer. When you have a spirit of excellence, that boomerang, people leave richer after their time with you. The queen left with more gold, more diamonds than she came. But more importantly, she left with a relationship with God because she had been in the presence of a man who feared the Lord. Now, Solomon wasn't perfect. He lived a life that wasn't always pleasing to God, but in the end of his life, he came back to the fear of the Lord. And I'm telling you right now, God is bringing children back. He's bringing people back into the house of the Lord, people that left for many years. God says, they're coming back. I want you to stand your feet all over this place. For every good seed you've sown, for every labor of love you've given, for every good word you've spoken, God says, get ready. It's coming back. It's coming back. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? We're just going to worship and pray here in these final minutes. We're going to have an altar call. If you're here today, you need to get right with God. If you need to surrender to Jesus, I want you to imagine your life is like a boomerang. That when you bring it down to the altar, when you surrender to God, when you say, Lord, I lay down my hurts, I choose to forgive, I choose to receive your forgiveness, I repent of my sins, God says you're going to have life and life more abundantly. It's going to come back to you tenfold in your surrender. God is not mocked. Whatever someone sows, he reaps. And when you sow in surrender, when you sow in tears, you reap a harvest of joy. When you sow in humility, you reap a harvest of honor. All across this room with heads bowed and eyes closed, whatever season of life you're in, God's speaking to you. And he's saying, I want you to surrender your words. I want you to surrender your family. I want you to surrender your dreams. I want you to surrender that season of singleness. I want you to surrender that dream of, of children one day. I want you to surrender whatever what's not working right now. I want you to give it to God and God says, if you'll lay it down on my altar, I promise you good things are coming in your future. On the other side of surrender, God says I have greater things coming back into your life. All over this room and heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you need to surrender something God was speaking to you today in this message, I want you to just raise your hand all over this room. Yes, 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 hands going up from the front to the back. Maybe you're here today and you say, I just need to get right with God. I need prayer today. I need to get down to that altar. I want you to leave your seat. If you raised your hand or you wanted to raise your hand, come and join me at this altar. We're just gonna worship God. We're gonna give it to the Lord. If you got worries, bring it to the Lord. If you got sin, bring it to the Lord. Ask for his forgiveness. If you need to release mercy to someone, bring it to the Lord today. Whatever you're walking through, whatever dream you need God to get involved in, commit your plans to the Lord, and He will establish your life. Let's just begin to worship Him all over this place. Go ahead, Dom. Never gonna. Yeah, You're let's
1: never
0: someone here today, I don't know who this is for, God is so powerful that he truly can cancel boomerangs that you've thrown. I know that sounds strange, but there was a moment years ago where I subscribed to something that uh, later on I realized, I don't want this. This is a waste of my money. How do I get out of this? And it was keep, kept charging me every month. And I called the, the company and said, how do, how do I stop getting charged? It just keeps on charging me. It keeps coming at me. They said, You know, you can cancel the subscription. That, that's what I want to do. How do I do that? I looked, I can't figure it out. They said, Well, you just tell me right now that you want to cancel it. I'll, I'll cancel it for you. You won't get charged anymore. It won't keep coming back at you. I canceled it, and I never got charged again. And as I was praying down here, I just felt like God wants to cancel some things that have been coming back at you. Some things you're afraid are going to come back at you. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to cancel the assignment of the enemy, even if you launched it. Now, this may mess with some of y'all's theology because you're going, I don't know if that's about the grace of God. When Jesus showed up at Zacchaeus' house, I don't know what was in Zacchaeus' future before he met Jesus. But I'm sure there were people that wanted to kill him for how much money he had robbed him of. But when Jesus did something in Zacchaeus' life, he said, I'm going to pay back those I wronged. But all we know is that salvation showed up. There was an assignment on the enemy against his life. There was an assignment on different people that, that Jesus encountered, that God ministered to, and he canceled what was coming into their life. He stopped it. The blood of Jesus stops what the enemy's trying to bring against your life. No weapon formed against. The righteous shall prosper. Who are the righteous? The righteous are those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Not our good deeds, but his good deed on the cross. His finished work on the cross. So Lord, I just cancel every assignment that anyone in this room that might be fearing with a sense of shame or regret or just the anxiety of the enemy saying that it's coming at them. I just speak in Jesus' name, the blood of Jesus washes your sins away and draws a bloodline around your children, around you, and the assignment of the enemy is broken in Jesus' name off of your life in the name of Jesus. We cancel every subscription, God's spiritual subscriptions that have been robbing people of joy, robbing people of sleep, robbing people of peace robbing people of of love in their marriage, love in their family. I pray for every person that's carrying just a sense of self-hatred and shame and regret. God, that today, that subscription is canceled. They are forgiven. They are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. The testimony today It's the prophecy of Jesus. He speaks over you a better word than what sin or the devil has whispered over your future. Your future is blessed. Your dreams are blessed. God's plans will be established in your life and in your children's life and in your children's children's life. In Jesus' name. Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I'm all yours. I repent of my sin and I receive your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the grave. You are my Lord and Savior. Satan, you are defeated. I rebuke you out of my life. I belong to Jesus. My future is blessed. God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. And I will see the victory because Jesus lives in me. Amen.